2: Hey guys, and welcome back to the Running Rugby podcast. And wow, I have a note here saying the award winning Running Rugby podcast. Is that is that right, Topes?
0: Yeah, that's right, Arch, mate. We've been ranked in the top 10 rugby podcasts in the world or on the internet, as it says here. Ooh, Feedspot, damn. Blog Reader, has um, released the top 10, and we're on the list, mate. We're ranked number nine. So we've got something to aim for for next year.
1: That's awesome. Um,
0: but, you know, it's our first year. <laughs> And we've got to thank our our listeners and anyone who's interacted with us on social media, but yeah, like an awesome, awesome achievement. I think for our first year, and we'll we'll be looking to uh, build upon that.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. Thanks to everyone, uh, everyone involved in that. And remember guys, that's interacting with us on Facebook and Instagram at running rugby podcast. Uh, This is looking at not only our podcast, but all our social media sort of posts with that. Look, That's the good news for the week. I think we can probably move on. Um, It's not so much good news in the rest of the world rugby, especially for Australian rugby. Um, Plenty of games to talk about this weekend, but we have to start with uh, Australia versus Wales. That was our first game of this spring tour. Uh, Team under pressure, team that hasn't won a lot, and going into Wales, a trialist game in the end. But Wales coming away victors, 9-6, and a few key decisions that probably weren't made correctly, but just unable to break through that Welsh defence.
0: Yeah, it's mate, it's disappointing, particularly when, you know, in the past, our, our defence has been a little bit poor. In this game, it's it was better, but we just couldn't score points and we couldn't execute in key moments. And I know the refereeing probably wasn't the best either, but it's not really an excuse. Like, we could have won this game on, on a few occasions. So, I don't know. I don't know what to feel about the Wallabies. They're so up and down.
1: I actually think we got a bit better than the the rub of the the refereeing decisions. I think Wales probably would have been feeling a bit the same with some of the calls. But the the most frustrating thing as a as a Wallabies fan from this game, you, you're seeing basic errors that were the same errors we made in weeks previous, and we're not seeing we're not seeing improvement. Um, the first half I didn't think was too bad. You know, first scrum was pretty solid. But then we start getting a little bit of dominance in the second scrum and we, we just keep it too long and then we collapse and the ref, we give the ref a chance to make a call against us. When we when we probably had the dominance, we should have just used the ball instead of trying to create a picture in his mind so early. Things like that and getting held up when running the ball into contact, body height too high and, and letting the, these European teams turn us over. Like We've seen this in years past I... and the guys should be aware of this. Mm. I couldn't believe it when I started
2: seeing that again. I just, I don't understand why is that and a thing that we don't learn. Mate. Every time Australian learn. teams go to the UK and go to Europe, they do this to us, and they don't do it to South Africa and the All Blacks. It's Australia just gets seems to get targeted with this because we consistently have these ball runners running in too high.
0: Well, and, this is and weak. We... It's weak carries, and it's it's we're lazy in our carries. I think we just no. don't have that body height.
1: I, I i disagree with some of that that it's it's body height but it's it's thinking that the best value is to leg drive to push further forward and to and to dent the line and and to be honest that was a good uh, part of the first half in this game we had people like rodder making big runs
2: yeah pushing the defensive
1: right. line back a couple of phases after each other and the Welsh got caught offside because they weren't actually retreating far enough because they were always mm. having to move backwards but You've got to recognize when, for example, the Welsh locks, Alan jones comes in and he's got his arms under the ball and he's not trying to take you to ground. If something doesn't click in your mind immediately, this guy's trying to hold this up and turn it into a maul. Don't help him by continuing to push forward and run because the ref just calls maul. You've got to go to ground. You've got to then recycle. That's you've got it. to eliminate that straight away. And, and you know just to put a bow on this one, the biggest disappointment is the guys coming off the bench. And doing the exact same thing when they've been watching for sixty minutes, and they will have had a coach's talk in halftime. They would have had an assistant there talking to them during the game, and they come on and they are no better. They make the same errors, and it's just absolutely. It's absolutely <laughs> what
0: it's absolutely Rob Simmons and Ned Hannigan's. I can't.
1: <laughs> I can't see the next. Can't
0: see the next
1: bit. I can't say the next bit. But it is well, don't, absolutely... Don't blame.
0: I mean, there's, it's not the whole bench. No,
1: no, no. No, of course it's not. I obviously picking on Rob Simmons and Ned Hannigan there. But yeah. But they're, they're coming on. They're literally replacing uh, Coleman and, and, and Simmons or, or... Actually, it was Dempsey, wasn't it? But they come on. They make the same mistakes. He's like, boys, what have you been watching this yeah, whole game? Yeah, it's really disappointing. On our line, particularly that one, and then panicking, probably realizing they've done the wrong thing and throwing the ball out the back. Losing possession, and then you get Hannigan's you know, floppy corpse. Over, over the, the yeah.
0: Can we just can we ask a question? Michael Hooper's decision-making was called into question in the press conference following the game. Should he have taken the, the penalty shot at those key moments, or do you think he was right to kind of go for the try and go for the kill in key moments? Because Lee Halfpenny was off in a lot of his penalty kicks. Um, we could have tied up the score on a number of occasions, and we didn't do that. Do you think that was the right decision or not? Look, I,
2: I had this weird feeling throughout this whole game that, yep, we were in it, we were in it, and we were just going to hold it and going to come away with the win. For some reason, I wasn't really panicking through a lot of this game, and the first time he went to line, I thought that was the perfect decision. I was like, yep, look, we've got some ascendancy. Let's go. Let's execute. Let's get a try. I think, and I'll, I'll point the finger a little bit at Tolu Latu because there's been a few times in the set piece and down there. And when he got caught down there in the mall and he just tried to stay in the mall, and again, it's like Leo was saying, recognising when things are going going wrong and just getting the ball out and being safe with it. And he didn't do that. I think after that didn't work, I think the second time he probably needed to realise that we need to capitalise on this and get, get the points. That said, when I actually watched it, I wasn't too upset with it because I thought, look, we were so close before. But it's all that 2020 rear vision you can... You can call into question these things after the game, after you've watched the end result.
1: Similar to Archie, that a team which has been successful in, in recent games, if that's what the Wallabies were, you would think, okay, they're well drilled at this. They know exactly what they're doing. This is just this is just going down, executing properly, and it should be a really good opportunity to score a try. The shakiness of our line-out, mainly, I think, I'm, I'm going to put it more on the hooker than on the, the lifters and the jumper because um, those throws just seem all over the place no matter who we're starting or bringing off the bench. Mm. Uh, no, knowing that your line-out isn't solid enough, that you can count on it in every situation, you've got to, you've got to question whether you want to put yourself in that position, have a line-out. And also, if, if you're a team that's been a bit shaky and lost a few games and it's under pressure from you know coaches are under pressure players are under pressure mm. do you maybe just accumulate a little more and see if you can push that out to a six or nine point buffer rather than rather than trying to force that try like i, I like i like the decision in the moment when you're like yeah we're being positive this is great but i don't like it in any way in hindsight because i'm thinking well actually we're not playing that well. We probably just need to develop a bit of a lead. Let's take the easy points and not put pressure on ourselves. And at the moment, recognize that our set piece is pretty unreliable.
0: Yeah, I, I think more towards the line-outs unreliable. I think our scrum's pretty decent, and we're probably not noticing a lot of errors with that. We lost in this game 3 lineouts out of 14. So I think, it, like, watching it, I thought it was much worse than that. So... I yeah, mean, hopefully these stats I'm referring to are correct. But so that's still – that's 78% of your line-out one. It's not good enough. It needs to be above 80% and well above 80%. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I think it comes down to our hookers being inaccurate with their throwing. I don't think necessarily it's it's the guys in the line-out. I think the throws have just been off. and I don't see that really improving. I mean, it was a little bit worse in the rugby championship, but – it really hasn't improved to a level where it should be, and so then when you you're right when you get to that five meter line when you're in the in the red zone, and then, bang, you make a mistake. You take the pressure off. Whales well, kick it away. Suddenly there's a big swing in momentum, mm. and then we do we continually do that to ourselves. We build up this momentum, we build up the pressure, and then we take we make a silly mistake, and all that goes out the window. And I feel like that just is a a process that repeats itself over and over, and we're just not making points out of those situations where we're we're building pressure. So Mm. how do we fix that? I'm not sure. Do we... I mean, Plotter now, I think, will start against, say, England. I don't know what they're going to do against Italy. This is still a must-win game. And interestingly, just changing topic a little bit, Pocock said this week that basically... We shouldn't be resting anyone. This is a key game against Italy. We need to be playing our, our full team, and we need to be beating Italy and beating them well. Hmm. So hopefully they hopefully they make selections in light of those comments and and Cheka doesn't throw too many debutants in there and too many inexperienced guys because Italy still are dangerous.
2: Yeah, this is coming from a podcast that we, where we said Italy were pretty trash two weeks ago when they got destroyed by Ireland. But now suddenly we're we're in a position where we're slipping. Look, we're seventh in the world now. Um, we're slipping down those rankings pretty quickly, and uh, this is this is where Czech has got to start to feel some of that heat, even from um, the other side of the world uh, that Australia just expects better. I think. Look, we've identified some of that set piece that's been going wrong. Good things from the forwards. I think Rotter and Coleman both had strong games. It was good to see Coleman back in the starting lineup. Uh, I think that he def- those people definitely improve it. Dempsey back, I think he played quite well. Look, I want to talk about, and this comes up probably every week, the Hooper-Pocock combination. And it's been called into question a few times. And look, you play those two because you want to have like the two best sevens on the park. And I think they both sort of got outplayed by the Welsh Tipperic, uh on the weekend. And Hooper... Uh, they talk about I Hooper...
0: Know. I don't know. I don't po know, Cork? man.
2: Tifer- Tiferik was all over he the place. Doing a lot he, was of stuff. he was great.
0: He was very good. Yeah. I would say he's equal to Pocock on the weekend, but I don't know if you outplayed him. But still, so, go ahead.
2: So you then have our front line, number seven, probably not doing enough. I think Hooper continues to do a lot in defense, and he continues to be a really valuable defender, um, making a lot of good covering tackles. In attack, I think he's lost a little of what he's previously had it being that explosive attacking weapon and being involved in sort of the back line moves and things. And I don't know, does that, does that mean he's doing enough then to warrant doing that double seven sort of playing?
0: I think maybe not, but who, like, okay, so say you bring Pocock into number seven mm. and you keep Dempsey at six. I think Dempsey has been fairly impressive in the performances that he's had. Probably a little less so in this one, but... I think it was just basically he had less opportunity to carry the ball and make metres. He was mm. doing a lot of the hard work. But who do you throw in at eight then? Like, if you were going to do that this weekend, who would be your number eight for the Italy clash? Like, I just don't don't know who would step in there. We've got rid of Jed, got mm. rid of Caleb Timu. Mm. Um, we we don't have a pure number eight in the squad. Yeah, I guess... Unless unless I'm missing something. Like, I I don't know. Are you, are you proposing putting Hanning in at six and then... You put no. Jack back at eight. So then you're kind of playing two guys that are, are more similar and you're playing Jack out of position. I I don't know. I, I understand what you're saying. And I think mm. if we had a different different set of, of, of guys in the squad, I think you could make that move. Yeah. Um I was you know I was campaigning for Jed to stick around and play number eight. And I think guys like that deserve an opportunity, but yeah the way we're going, this is this seems like this is the formula that Checker just wants to persevere with. I agree with Hooper. I think for the Waratahs he was pretty potent this this year in attack, but for the Wallabies, oh, super
2: rugby. you yeah. just don't
0: see it's... some of the yeah, you don't see those clean breaks anymore from Hooper mm. like he did. And I don't know, maybe because he's under pressure in terms of leading the team, maybe that's having an an impact on his ability to be bold in these games and take mm. risks. I'm not sure, but. Yes. Overall, I think there has been a, a downturn in his performance offensively and Pocock continues to shine. You're, you're obviously not going to drop him. No. So I think the only change you could make if you were going to in that back row would be to have Hooper coming off the bench. Yeah, um, So it's a difficult one there. It probably sure. becomes
2: more of a question if we had an eligible Izzy Nacerani on the tour rather than just as a development player and he's not he's not actually yeah ready to play until early or, next year.
0: Or Rob Valentini, who's a development player. I'm not sure True. if they can even... Can they upgrade these guys? I don't know how it works. But yeah,
2: I mean, Valentini should technically be able
0: to... Yeah. But I'm not so sure So he, he is one guy you could probably throw in there, even though he's coming, mm. you know, he, he hasn't really been exposed to this level yet. Who knows? Checker might get desperate and do something like that. You just don't know. Yeah. I mean, it
2: paints a really good story for next year's World Cup when these two teams are going to meet again in Japan.
0: Yeah, it does. It does massively. In terms of general play, I don't know. I was, I was pretty impressed overall with a lot of the, what the guys were doing. It just seems that we couldn't kind of pick up points.
1: Yeah, look, I, we're definitely in a bit of a, a grind where, where if we're not getting a winning result, it's hard to see some positives. Um, but there were positives. Uh, I was just trying to chase up our our seven-plus phases stat. I can't I can't find it, but... That's something which I harped on a little while ago because I felt like we were, we were forcing our hand too early and expecting a big line break, you know, overlap, try scoring result on about the third or fourth phase. We were trying these these kick moves cross field to to break everything open within only a few phases and I never really understood the value of that. It just didn't feel like we'd had enough time to set the defense up by attacking in certain areas to create opportunities for scoring tries and and that I think just not, it's because I don't have the stat to check it just from what watching the game I think we have moved away from that mm-hmm. a little bit I think we're a little bit more patient I would expect that 7 plus phases to be up and I think it's a really a really helpful stat of how it, it just helps go with possession it's not just a back and forth oh, we happen to accumulate 50 51% of the possession if you've got a lot of 7 plus phases it means when you had the ball you actually held it for a while, which is pressuring the other team and it should be tiring them out and more opportunities to make mistakes. I think when we we would have got 10 phases into an attack and we just had a couple of those moments, which you can you can accept in a game where you're getting a lot of other things right, but not in a game where you're getting a few other things wrong. Moments where, you, where someone throws the ball a little bit behind the runner, it's just a timing thing. The runner has to then sort of turn his shoulder, reach back for it, He's obviously got to look back for it a little and they get nervous and they have a little bit of a peek forward and we drop the ball because we're looking at the guy coming up not focused on the ball because we can't be focused purely on the ball because we don't have the peripherals to see the defender coming. So things like that, it's a little execution things. I think we've still got that through the back line. If I was the coach, if I was running this rugby team, I would be saying we need to simplify our movements. We need to reduce the number of high pressure passes where we're allocating to people who aren't the Bernard Foley and the and the Matt Tamua and the Kirtley Beal in the back line because it's 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 execution from other players We're expecting them to throw a little pop pass. If Alan Alatoa takes that little rap and pop and he's a bit slow, it sets everything else back and it puts pressure on those guys too.
2: What do you think in terms of our tactics regarding our
1: kicking game in this one? I didn't, I wasn't a fan of the kicking back and forth and I certainly didn't, right down the middle
2: over, over most
1: of the time right down the middle the the only thing i can imagine to be the reason for that is that they thought well they're defending their wings because maybe they're worried about crossfield kicks to forlau maybe they're worried about us finding touch and playing a territory game so they've forced their their coverage out to the the width but left the center open but the kicks we were putting down weren't weren't sort of low and hard and, and designed to hit the ground and, and and force them to chase after it. They were just sort of fluffy hoofs down the Nothing. middle of the field, plenty of time to come, guys to come in underneath and catch it. And then you're giving them centre-field return opportunities. They're going to have players, no matter which way they go, they've just got to bring it forward. And, and that that seemed really, really weak. I, that And that was new, really. We haven't seen such a consistent effort to do that before so I I didn't understand that. I didn't like it
0: yeah and it was particularly sloppy by Tamu coming on and punting that one too long that was really disappointing by him look I think it actually comes down as well to Korobiti not being there to chase those kicks I actually think it makes a massive difference because he often chases well above what he actually should be doing and it puts pressure on defenders to actually make rash decisions and I don't know to be honest I could notice that in the game, I just Naivalu offers strong defense as well, but Korobidi just seems to be everywhere and he's always chasing kicks. Mm. And a lot of those guys in the back line don't offer that.
1: One, one example, which was right at the start of the game, which I think is a really positive example and something I'd like to see more of rather than all these things we'd like to see less of, I think it was our first attacking raid of the game. We moved we moved towards the from right to left, left sideline. We went through the hands, drew a player, passed, drew a player, passed. We didn't try and throw these big cutouts to get out to the edge really quickly. Yeah. And because it went through every set of hands, we actually got the one man overlap down the sideline. And then we made that break and very quickly we looked back inside and we popped the ball to Genia, who was who was this is a design supporting run. He's come through on the inside. And it did break down after that because we got tackled and, and we had to recycle and, and the rest of it. But that looked really exciting. We were like, hang on,
0: we've actually, yeah, we've
1: actually created a really good opportunity. This is like first phase of the game. If the guys keep doing this, this is going to be awesome. But um, we didn't keep doing it. We got a bit bogged down in a, in a slightly more forwards grinding game. Um, and then things like the the tie carries getting turned over. The Welsh were uh, focused pretty hard on, on pilfering at the ruck. And when they got the ball, they were chipping it over our lines, the stuff we talked about last week, we were seeing it, but the Waldies didn't seem to be completely prepared for it. they they let it happen, and they didn't really stifle it early enough.
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely agreed. What Arch, what do you think of? Alla, Alla do you, I thought he was a bit better this week. I mean, I thought it was yeah, yeah, I think he was I think he, he was good
2: me. like he had a couple of scrum penalties, um, which was a bit disappointing. One was after that sort of dominant hit, and he just sort of went down on the drive, which was annoying. Um, but in loose play, he seemed quite good. He was working well as a bit of a pivot for the game. Um, I really didn't have too much to say badly about him. He was definitely matching sort of CO in intensity, and I think those two were looking good.
1: Um, yeah, I think it's a
0: hooker. He, he definitely stepped it up.
2: Yeah, yeah it's whether Taniella
0: comes in this week to start. Just because mm. I mean, I know I said before Lee's dangerous, but I think. It's more that they're dangerous in this context at home with us under pressure, maybe making some changes um, as to our normal team, and that's where I think they're dangerous. Yeah, where we take them slightly like they're not a top tier team, which most of the time they aren't. But we're just did We're so vulnerable at the moment. If They get a roll it's, on in the beginning. Yeah, it's it's it, that's where
2: it's dangerous. That's it. Look, let's. Briefly go through some of the other games from the weekend, and then we'll have a bit of a look closer at um, the Italy game this weekend. But other results, I mean, Italy um, had a good win over Georgia in the weekend. uh, Stopped their slide a little bit down the rankings, kept their place back up to 13th, taking Georgia's spot. But they won 28-17. Scotland uh, took down Fiji 54-17. That was after... A really close first half, if you watched some of them. The Fiji looked really good. Um, We saw Semi Semiradradra playing 13 for them, have a good score. Uh, They were up 17-14, but then had two yellow cards within sort of three minutes. And then um, Scotland just worked back and clinical. Finn Russell and Hogg returning to the team. Um, And Seymour with a hat-trick there, and they'll be lining up, um, hoping to continue that strong performance because they've got the Springboks coming up. And then England versus the All Blacks, and that was... a Playing in Twickenham, the bathtub uh, of England, this weekend. But big game for Shield playing against many of his former friends and teammates um, from the Hurricanes and in, in the All Blacks. Uh, we saw the haka being drowned out by a chorus of "Swing Low, Sweet Chariot." A game where England got a good roll on early and got all their sort of 15 points very early. Um, New Zealand with a few line breaks, but last English defence holding strong. And then New Zealand slowly coming back and getting back into this and winning 16-15, to 15, despite another controversy late in the game with a Laws charge down um, that led to a Sam Underhill try and then on video replay was turned over for offside.
0: Yeah, what about this? I mean, this was a game everyone was looking forward to and it probably came a year or two too late, I think. England aren't probably the team that they were, but they were certainly up for this game, and they brought a lot of intensity, particularly in the first half hour. They really stepped it up, and they really looked like they were the dominant team, I think, for that first part of the game yeah um and i I really couldn't believe it if it was after twenty four minutes it was fifteen nil, and I thought, wow, this looks like the England of old, and they look like they're actually they could do this, um but the All Blacks just fought their way back into it, and that called the end just kind of I don't know. It's almost like a bit of revenge for what um, South Africa had to go, to go through last week in terms of that hit by Farrell. Um, this week, e- England was on the wrong end of things. and the t- the, I mean, the, the video referee going back to, to look at an offside in, in that way was surprising in some ways. I, I mean, I'm sure we're, we're seeing it more and more in international games, but in the past, I, I doubt that it'd be kind of looked at so closely. And, and it really was line ball. Yeah, it was
2: interesting that you watched it in real time and it doesn't look like he's offside, but they've got that screenshot just as the All Black Rock guys taking a step forward and really moves that offside line back and suddenly he's technically offside. But, um, I mean, it was it was a great game, to, especially considering the conditions. You had a, a trialist game with the Wallabies under the roof in um, Cardiff and then this open air and there was some loose ball, but also some really intriguing play. Yeah, All Blacks win it by one, 16 to 15. Uh, other games we can touch on: USA versus Samoa. USA were down but got a last ditch penalty to beat Samoa. That's out of Spain um, and Ireland. Argentina. This was a really uh, impressive game. Sort of towards the sort of middle of the game, Argentina looking very impressive. Their back three continue to look really strong, um, and Nick Sanchez just continues to impress. He looks like he's building up for a really strong World Cup, and I think these guys are gonna. Um, feature heavily in the later stages of that tournament um, but Ireland hold on, bit of a classy performance from them, especially with the absence of people like Connor Murray uh, Robbie Henshaw in their midfield but they're going to be out for the, the remainder of this spring tour um, especially with um, the All Blacks coming to Dublin next week um, other games we had France and South Africa uh, France probably unlucky here but um, they had the medal in South Africa but then a late try to South Africa, pretty much on the buzzer. Benambi uh, got the rolling mall tried. Benambi. Yeah, after... But definitely they seem to improve um, with having some of those international guys like Willie LaRue and Faf back in this game. But Faf's going to be out next week as well.
1: I saw the second half of the, the Irish-Argentinian game uh, just on the back of the Wallabies telecast in the early morning, early hours of Sunday. And that was the type of play from those... From both of those two teams that is the sort of rugby that people want to watch so uh, argentina we know like to attack they're pretty flamboyant they'll try the different things it's it's very open it's very it can be a bit reactive like they'll just they'll play what's in front of them which which is something which i don't think the Wallabies do enough of they're not relying on the guys instincts and and just core skills they're, they're trying to uh, coach them maybe too rigidly into a structure Mm. but the yeah, the, the back three play from both teams, you've got you're really exciting players and they're actually getting a lot of ball. Like you're seeing guys like Buffelli, uh the, the Irish fullback whose name eludes me Jordan again. Lamore, yeah, that's right. Like that. okay. those are the guys who are your they're your star players in the back line. You want to see them get the ball pretty regularly, not not just because they can do things for the team. I mean if if you look at this from the the next level up where all these sports are just a form of entertainment. Like, these are the guys the fans want to see. If you can't get these guys involved, not only mm. are you missing out on all their their skills and, and special uh, vision in, in mid-game, in, in the open field, but you're actually, you know... Not, unfortunately, the, the standard fan might not be able to name all 15 starters, and if most of the ball is in the hands of the props and the second rowers for the entire game, they're not exactly... You know, they're, they're waiting to see the, the star player get involved. And there's a reason that guy is a well-known star player. He's got awesome skills and we want to see them on display. So mm. just the style of that game, you know, you guys probably won't get back to watch it. But teams like Argentina and Ireland seem focused on some pretty open, expansive play. And and I'm sure the All Blacks will, in good conditions, hopefully, against the Irish. We'll see a lot of that. I don't know who Argentina is playing next week. We'll get into that. But keep an eye on those games, those teams, because they're exciting to watch. And if you're a bit down on the Wallabies, then that's your that's your medicine.
0: You know, the, the Irish are such an exciting team and
1: yeah. they can
0: continue this up into the World Cup next year. I think they're going to be a massive threat. Like They look good. I'm
2: really keen to see them play this weekend. Toby, I want to just poll you quickly. I did mention it in that sort of run-through, but... Um, the English swing, swing low, switch out during the haka, trying to drown out the haka completely. What do you reckon? Do you reckon that's uh, fun, make it hard for them playing away from home, or is that a bit of disrespect to one of the really good traditions in world rugby?
1: Considering as well they have a big respect the kicker banner up when all the guys are kicking during the game, don't they?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. which
1: I would note that no other stadium everywhere. does
0: really. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do. They've done it every year, and that's because all England does well is kick. And you know, if you <laughs> were to boo during when they're kicking, they probably would never win a game. So they need to put that sign up to to make sure that that's enforced. But anyway, I think making noise during the harker, I think as a person in the crowd, you're just taking your enjoyment away from actually looking at the harker and hearing it and feeling it by singing. Sure, I think you might impact the players slightly. If anything, you might actually infuriate them a bit and, yeah. and make them a bit more fired up. So I'm not sure it's going to actually work in England's favour. It might just kind of think, all right, the All Blacks, all right, we're a bit more focused now, this is on. Because at Twickenham, you do get an amazing atmosphere. I think it just takes away from the crowd's experiences. There's mm. someone there when you hear the harker, like you, you really it's an experience and if you can't if that's drowned out if you can't experience that in the crowd i think it's a shame mm. um but i'm not sure yeah i think it i'm not sure it's disrespectful i think it's just kind of you know this is what the english do they do it at any opportunity they sing they try and get the momentum swung back in their favor yeah i mean australian crowds can probably learn something from that in that you know be a bit more vocal not necessarily sing but some of the crowds we have previously at like the Wallabies games or the Waratahs, like it's it's pretty quiet out there. So you do hear the players say that they feed off that noise, and I'm sure the All Blacks would be no different if they're if they're hearing some sort of hostility coming from the crowd. Mm. I mean, you talk about them, uh,
2: English putting up respect the kicker. The one thing I continue to be amazed at it's in the Irish games actually, and it's everything from like the Heineken Cup to the um, internationals. The absolute silence that falls over that stadium when uh, well Sexton or anyone on the Irish teams are taking a kick, like you turn it on or you watch the highlights, you will think you have the video on mute or something while he's lining up for a kick. And then as soon as he strikes it, if it's going through, you just hear this absolute roar come through the crowd.
0: I think it's a bit, it might be a bit off-putting as a, a kicker in Australia and you would never get that treatment. And so you go overseas and suddenly it's just absolute silence. If if they do that for the the um, away teams as well, that would put you off, I reckon. Like that would be pretty intimidating when you're in front of, say, fifty, sixty thousand 60,000 people and, and you can hear a pin drop mm-hmm. and you're like, geez, this is putting – you just realize the focus is all on you. And mm-hmm. I feel like that would be effective in putting, putting off an away kicker as well. So I'm sure guys like Johnny Sexton appreciate it because he's used to it. But – know, visiting kickers it it would be pretty intense Mm.
2: all right let's um look at next week and look we want to spend a bit of time talking about uh australia and italy obviously uh we'll go through and do a few tips for the other games but wallabies in padua versus italy and toby you sort of mentioned it before what Pocock's feelings were on this uh in terms of this isn't a game that we can take it easy and this isn't a rest team i sort of have two sort of That I think that we can do That checkers should take towards this game One I think is completely what Pocock was saying Is you play 100% your strongest team Because you haven't earned the right to have any weeks off Um, The second way to look at it Is you go, okay, we're going to play a different team A different style team in this game But this is playing And this is saying that the spots for the game versus England are open like, if you perform in this game, you will earn yourself a starting Wallabies jersey. Because I think... I don't really like the whole, oh, we'll play a bit of a second-rate team, or we'll, we'll knock it- Italy around, and then we'll go back to the same team versus England having not learned much.
1: I agree with Pocock to a degree. I think you you should have your best 15 on. and And the reason I say that as opposed to the best or most suitable fifteen for the opponent is you can't afford to change a whole lot of positions each time you come up against an opponent. You're not playing a different sport. You're playing a different team. The fundamentals are still the same. Your strengths should still be what you want out on the field. Not a not a lesser group of strengths to try and counter someone else's strengths. Gotta back yourself. But then do you do you pick your best fifteen and say, you guys are Intended on being the starting fifteen the following week, prove you can play well together, and then you fill the bench with your development guys because you don't get many opportunities to get those guys out on a field in a proper test. And you're coming into a World Cup. If there's anyone you want to give a chance, this is the game. This is the only one. You're not going to do it against England. You're gonna. You've got to do it in this game. So it's it's hard. Like I wouldn't bother having Rob Simmons on the bench, right? It gives you I don't think it gives you anything anyway, but you don't learn anything from that. So get Rory Arnold on the bench. If you if you don't think you're getting anything out of Hannigan, you go, right, I kind of know what you are. Let's get Pete Samu in here. Let's get Caleb Timu in here. Um, similarly for the backs, like you've got to get Jake Jake Gordon on there. You've mm-hmm. got to get some of these these young guys. I think Jordan Patea should go there because I just want to see the guy. If he if he's going to go from high school rugby a year ago to international rugby this guy's a superstar, and we should get him involved now, and and that's that's maybe a, a balance, but I I don't think they'll do that. But I think it's all those bench guys that haven't proven themselves, and you give the starters one more go because you want to get consistent week to week to week.
0: And Leo, you've hit hit the nail on the head there. I think you mix up the reserves, but the starting team should be the strongest team you can put out. Has to be. Yeah. Has so be. Simmons Simmons can have a rest. I think we're happy with that. Hannigan can, can probably have a rest. Him a long rest. Um, I agree with the selections there. I think Roy Arnold needs to step up anyway. He's an aggressive guy. He needs to play like it for once. You know, Pete Samu, mobile guy, would be good against Italy. Get him in there at number 20 on the bench. Fipsy, we don't need you at the moment. You can sit out. If Gordon has a good performance off the, off the bench, we'd be happy to see him versus England off the bench. Tamu, I think, needs more time in the Wallaby setup. Keep him there. All good. Maddox, Look, I think he's had an opportunity. I'm not sure he's really shone too brightly. I think you can give Patea a chance off the bench. And I think you could give him 30 minutes in the second half. I think Karevi could probably come off after 50 bring on Patea at 13. Or onto one of the wings. Whatever you want to do. Korobedi might throw a spanner in the mix there with Naivalu maybe dropping out of the starting 15. But, you know what, I think basically we're going to be putting out pretty much the same team as last week. I can't see too many changes coming in unless he really mixes things up and goes, well, look, this is this is me trying to blood a few new guys. Italy, we should be able to beat them anyway. We, But we really haven't earned the right to do that. And Michael Checker might be able to bring in these guys and if we lose, hide behind the fact that, look, this wasn't our full-strength team. But that's just a poor excuse. We shouldn't be able to do that. We should treat this as a very serious game. He should be treating this as a game that if he loses it, his job is gone. So he needs to play his full-strength team, perhaps mix up the bench a little bit, because you got guys playing twenty, you know, 10, 20 minutes, and that's it. And I think that's going to be beneficial going forward. But the starting 15 needs to be our best, in my opinion.
2: What do you think about... Because I've been watching, and I think it was a hard game to differentiate our outside backs on versus Wales because they shut us down really well. But it seems like Falao potentially is not doing as much from the wing spot as we saw him do at fullback. What do you think about Haylett-Petty at at fullback and Falao? Whether I was
0: thinking that, yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing on the weekend. I was like, Falao is not touching the ball, Hmm. and Haylett-Petty is. And Haylet Petty hasn't put... Too, he hasn't really put he a foot wrong. He hasn't
2: done that much wrong, but he's just not the same attacking Flair but, type break-a-game
0: open player that No, I agree. He he makes slight breaks, but he doesn't make breaks like, say, Ben Smith does. And he's a bit of a, a Ben Smith clone. Yeah. But he'll break one tackle and go down. Whereas I think you get more benefit having Folau back there, even though he's limited with his kicking... And maybe his positional play and even maybe his defense. I still think that having Falau get his hands on the ball twenty, thirty percent more is valuable. And mm. I think that we're probably a worse team having hallett Petty back there at fifteen and having Falau on the wing. That's a shame for hallett Petty. And I'm not sure he would get onto the bench if we dropped him out of out of fullback. But look at it this way, if Korabidi's coming in this weekend, he's fit again. Could easily see them doing that, if if Czech is sensing the same thing as us.
1: I I agree partially with that, but what I don't agree with is that that Falao is less effective or less involved on the wing because we've put him. On the wing. I think he's less involved on the wing because we've for some reason we've gone away from using him in the same way when he was getting all the the action he was returning kicks. But he was also chasing bombs and taking these awesome specky catches over the top of other players. And we haven't been giving him opportunities. No, we haven't done that as much. Yeah, so it's not not the fact that he's out on the wing. Like, he wasn't doing anything different from fullback. He was still almost that 2nd last set of hands out wide. And if he was in space, whether it's wing or fullback, those opportunities are probably still there. If they're not there, it's because the opposition are closing down our, our attempts to go wide. But we've completely dropped that tactic of putting up a bomb for Falau, which actually was quite effective and i don't think mostly i would think most of these northern hemisphere teams would be less adept at defending because that's much more of a uh, a southern hemisphere tactic to to put something up for a big athletic run and chase and catch versus just grinding away with forwards and and playing around the wings so well, i blame I, think, I blame our team yeah. for Falau and for Hayla Petty having the wrong opportunities not the individuals for not being able to get the ball. It's not their fault the ball isn't getting out to them.
2: But when's the last time yeah, you saw like, an inside pass yeah. from
1: Beal to Falau through the middle? No, that's, yeah, that's true. That's right. that's, that's, right. that's, again, he should that's be a playing... tactic. That's a tactic. Yeah. So we're not telling those guys to go and run those lines. Like, but Hale Petty, when the, the, the the strategy has changed because Hale Petty hasn't just substituted for Falau and he's doing that. No one's doing it. Where right. Instead, I we're doing these complicated backline moves. that's back a structural change. Yes, that's right. I think
0: actually that's a a system. That's not... I don't think Falau's going... It's not not sulking and going, oh, well, I'm not going to do anything because I'm on the wing. Like, remember what Lottie Tikiri used to do. That's what Folau should be doing. Korobini can do the same thing and Falau can do it probably a little bit better than that because of his size. Um, But we're not seeing that. And you're right. But if we're not seeing that we're not willing to change the system, do you have to move the selections around for that to work?
1: Uh, I, I still think it's a system. It's what I've been saying week after week: is they're forcing these guys into a structure, telling them to play a certain way, and it just feels like the, there's a there's a there's a strategy, and I need you to be like this, and you to be like this, and you to be like this, instead of saying what have I got, and how do I utilize play what's those in front of you. Yeah. Well, not just that. the The coaches need to put together a a team wide strategy. Which leverages the skill set of the individual players. So you create opportunities that suit Falau's skills. You don't create a master plan for 15 guys and then tell Falau he's got to turn into something he's not. Like you gotta get you've got yeah. to build a strategy around playing to your strengths. Or if you think your strategy is the best strategy to beat other teams, you need to pick people with the strengths that suit the strategy and not just try and force the guys we've got who are the big names into that. And that would be like if you've got two or three years to mold and trend like transition a team that's that's what they do the new coach new style i've got to start picking players that suit my style that's why guys start falling out of favor but, but i he's think they tried to do that. forcing them into a new structure
0: they've tried to do that with dhp i think go back to that model of having more of a pure fullback
1: i think um, that's fine
0: i'm not sure that's i don't think, think he, he gets sure to attack really enough and i don't think we
1: give I, them the space out wide we don't create the space being... because we throw big cutouts and they yeah. just get closed down
0: I guess you but look like, at... you Palau, look at Yeah. You look Palau at what... world
1: fullback of the year, I think. It, you at look at point.
0: what...
2: Um, and, like, Toby, you're talking about DHP being a bit of a Ben Smith. And you look at what's happened in the All Blacks. And Ben Smith's been moved out of that position because they've gone for a guy that's probably more a liability in some cases in terms of defence and things and Damian McKenzie. But he's also a more attacking sort of orientated flair sort of player. And whether whether it's because they want to give, make sure that he is closer into the action and put him in positions where he should be. I'm not saying Folau shouldn't be able to do it from the wing, but he's not at the moment.
0: I, yeah, it's weird because I think almost we were playing we we're playing better having DHP on the wing. I know he touched... I think he touched the ball far oh, less on know. the wing. Yeah. I think he, like, he was not as involved and I probably wouldn't pick him over the other guys that we've got at the moment... But I think it does clearly show you that the fullback touches the ball a lot more in b- both times, whether it be Folau or DHP. Each time they're at fullback, you notice them more. So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Look, that, and you know, you're right. The fullback is going to get the, more opportunities. how it works. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But that's not to say we can't develop some other backline plays which involve Falau. I just don't think we're doing yeah. that and that's what I think we should be doing to give him more ball. We've definitely got to get him more ball. We've got to get both wingers more opportunities yeah. to quick you know come through on a on an opposing line, hit a gap at pace, get them into that second layer of defense, which is really, you know, a half back and a full back and maybe a, a sweeping winger. Like that's you get Falau into those spaces and that's where he just runs curves around everyone and hurdles the last diving tackle and and he's in. So that 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 bit is what's missing in my mind. And DHP at fullback, I think is solid. He, either Falau or he would be very different to McKenzie because McKenzie is he's very elusive and quick. Falau's pretty elusive. He's not as quick. But McKenzie's also a distributor. He can come into that line yeah, anywhere true. and find an opportunity, but then he's going to move the ball to the guy who's actually going to make the ground, whereas Falau's not going to do that. Falau's looking for a big gap, bust one ar- loose arm tackle, and create... 20 metres off that. It's, it's different kind of opportunity.
0: Which begs the question, do we go back to having someone like Beale? Kirtly at full Beale, Kirtley Beal. at fullback. Full you yes. drop the HP, right? You leave Folau where he is. You play either Korobiti or Naivalu because they're a similar player. And then you have Samu. I think Samu probably deserves to keep his spot at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then you, you get to see your combination of Bernard Foley and... And Matt which we didn't get to see again against Wales because they took Bernard Foley off and they persevered with KB, even though he was tired. So I think, look, that's worth experimenting with. I think think KB, as long as he's in the team, he'd be happy to. Well, people like Mark Eller, Glenn Eller say that Kurtley Bill's best position is fullback. And that's coming from them. They've watched him for the last 15 years. You know, they know his game so well. They played the game at the highest level. <clears throat> I feel like if he's not a utility, you know, I think he's still good at twelve. But when we're not firing like not this, we might need to disrupt that a little bit. So mm-hmm. yeah. fifteen might be an option against against Italy. I just don't know what you know. It's really interesting to see these selections this week because it's gonna speak to maybe a direction we're gonna move for next year or even against England. Yeah. Because we're not we're not sure this comp this this system at the moment is lacking and if england play like they did against the all blacks i think we might be in trouble i i mm. was a little bit more confident before given their six nations form but you know seeing them on the weekend they look like they've kind of found something again and look we need to mix it up in in some way not not crazy changes but something needs to be done it's, it's disappointing that we haven't earned the right
2: cause to play a bit more around in this game because I would have loved to see a back line that was like Tamura at 10, Karevi and Patea in the centres, Maddox on the wing and Banks gets a start at fullback. but we just haven't earned the right, unfortunately, um, to see those guys come out. What are you thinking, boys? What are your tips for this game?
1: I think we win. I don't, I'm not going to tip a loss. I don't think Italy... Are uh, uh, close. I think we have to be wary of them, and for all the reasons we've already talked about, I think we will we'll still get up. Hopefully, I would I would like it to be a challenge, not necessarily a blowout. Because I don't think we get anything out of a blowout. I want to see Italy step up. I'd I'd be happy with uh, twelve points, and and we've just had to you know we've had to hold off a few spirited attacks. We've scored a couple of good tries. We've shown what we can do in defence, and we don't overplay our hand. Don't go, don't go chasing a huge blow at score because you think that'll remedy everything. Just make sure you get all the fundamentals right, and and minimise errors and penalties. Twelve points will do it for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, set piece needs to be solid. The line out needs to be solid against a, you know, a team that's not particularly good in the set piece. I don't think in Italy. Um, Italy beat Georgia by 11, right? So that kind of gives you the scope of the difference in those two teams. And Georgia is not even close to being in the top 10 in the rankings. I think we should be beating, if we play well, we should be beating Italy by at least, say, 25 points. But like you say, Leo, I think in, in how things have been going at the moment, you could easily see them kind of dominating us at the start and maybe we only cover them by 10. Um, but I think a good performance would be 30, 40 points on the board, us winning convincingly, and then hopefully building that momentum into the England game because this is one of the most important games I think we've seen in a while, just given how we perform this year. and A game like this usually is just like, okay, we're playing Italy on tour, and we kind of throw the ball around and score some tries and have a good time. But this is, this is much more important. Mm. I think a lot of guys are playing for their future in some ways. Czech is playing or coaching for his future. So I think there's going to be a bit more of a serious mood. You just hope that doesn't overcome their ability to kind of let loose, play what's in front of them and play with confidence because at the moment we need that. We need a good performance. Mm. Um, so fingers crossed we can get, get something good out of this game.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the only point I'll add is I want to see the good, strong defense that we saw last week continue. I'd love to see us limit to Italy um, to sort of under 20 points around that sort of 15 mark or lower would be absolutely great. And I agree, putting putting a strong showing in attack. Let's gloss through some of the other games that we'll have this weekend and you guys can let me know what you...
1: Can I... Sorry, can I just say one thing? Um, yep. I know it's late... We didn't, mention, we didn't mention earlier that Will Genia played 80 minutes against Wales. If that's not a clear message that we can't trust Phipps when we're down in a game, and if we're regularly down in games and we want someone like Genia there to attack,
2: yeah. Jake Gordon. Why why is Phipps there? Flash right? Gordon, motherfucker. Why is mother Phipps even them? there?
1: If he's not the guy you bring Flash. in late in the game to help you close ah. it out or catch up, Why is he even there? Yeah.
0: Agreed. We've been been saying this for six months. Check out. Take a risk. You're not going to lose anything. You're usually looking at a 10-minute FIPS performance. I guarantee you, Jake Gordon will come on, snipe, score a try, maybe even score two, put him on the wing, put him wherever you want. You can cover your bench spots in many different ways. Just give him an opportunity. Because otherwise, the guy's going to sign in Toulon next year and the Waratahs are going to lose him and everyone's going to be very upset. So let's just give him an opportunity.
2: So, other games this weekend. Wales taking on Tonga in Cardiff.
0: Wales. Wales by plenty.
2: Yeah, Agreed. Wales by plenty. Easy. England versus Japan out of Twickenham.
1: England by plenty.
0: Yeah, well, Eddie's being very Revenge game in For Eddie versus Japan. Yeah, well, he tells them to go and pray. And pray and pray and pray because we're going to be ruthless and we're going to put points on you. Like it's pretty disrespectful to say that, you know. I know he's tongue in cheek and I know that he likes to have a good time, but I don't know. That just seems a little bit out of out of line from mine. I think England, if they play the same team, they're going to win by quite a lot, thirty mm-hmm. or forty points. I'd say. You never know; they might change things up and play a second tier team. Don't know what their plans are, but. Japan, you hope you know. Then they're a decent team as well. They got Leach. They got um quite a few guys that are a pretty good standard. So hopefully they can yeah. give England a few scares there.
2: I want to see a strong showing like they did versus the All Blacks a couple of weeks ago. Um, Scotland versus South Africa out of Murrayfield. This is one I'm looking forward to.
0: Yeah, good game. Very good game. And I think this one's going to be super tight, particularly now that Scotland have got their their full strength team back together and they showed that when they played them last week and, and won pretty convincingly South Africa were a bit hot and cold against France up there in Murrayfield great atmosphere I think I'm going to tip the box but I think you know three to five points is going to be very narrow
1: yeah I'm not sure like without uh Faf de Klerk and uh, just playing up in Scotland I think this is po- possible upset game um I think Scotland have had a pretty reasonable record. If they've got their full strength side, we're expecting, then I'm going to go Scotland by five.
2: Interesting. I I like that pick a lot. I I tend to lean a bit towards Scotland, but I think South Africa probably will be able to muscle up enough with their big forwards to to hold out Scotland and potentially limit them a little bit. So I think they'll just get the win, as Toby said. Um, Ireland versus All Blacks. 1v2 in the world.
1: Could be a World Cup final uh, preview, and who's out? Who's out for Ireland? They're short a couple of people. Sonny Connor Bills Murray. out for the All Blacks.
2: Connor Murray, Connor Murray and Robbie Henshaw. They're normal twelve, but they have Bundiaki and. Um, mm. And he played
1: pretty well against Argentina.
2: Yeah, and so and so did um, their replacement halfback um, Marmion had a try as well on the weekend. Didn't look too bad.
1: You're not, I reckon. I think the English have done the Irish a disservice. They've shaken the All Blacks. They've given them their their um, near loss, their shake-up just before the Irish game. And if the All Blacks had gone into Twickenham and come out with a 15-20 to 20 point victory and, and never feeling that, that fear of a loss, I think there's a chance that the Irish could have caught them by surprise and, and, and played over the top of them and, and got a win. But I think now they'll be particularly focused, they won't go into this game with any uh, illusions that it will be a, a straightforward competition. I think the All Blacks will win because they, they're not ripe for a surprise now. They've, they've had that last week.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I think you're right, Leo. England gave them a very good warm-up there. And despite a few injuries, Ireland are technically still at the start of their season for this year. I think New Zealand will be slightly too good for them but i think you know it's it's a great rivalry and ireland have known been known to to upset the all blacks in the past as we saw in chicago um a couple of years back i think it was now look i think i'll I'll pick new zealand by about say six points it's it's going to be hopefully hopefully some decent weather there so we get some more running rugby because playing at twickenham in that rain as the all blacks did last weekend wasn't the best for them they dropped a lot of balls so want to see an entertaining game, but I think it'll be very close.
2: Yeah, really looking forward to that one. Definitely one to watch. Uh, France versus Argentina as well. Two teams that just missed out last weekend. Um, probably craving a win, I think. Uh, and that's out of Paris. But Argentina would be hoping to put in another strong showing. As we've said, another open, expansive play. Um, I think they'll be able to get around this French team and I think they can probably get away with a win with Sanchez playing at at his absolute top form that I've seen him play in in the last little while. I think he's leading that team so well.
1: Yeah, two teams that don't really look at their opposition and and take rankings or form into account. They both come into this game thinking where where every chance we can take this as a win, not intimidated at all. Two very passionate teams. I, I think the French get up at home for this one. I, I, I want to see Southern Hemisphere sweep every week when we go on these tours. But I think the French have have shown enough. They were they were good mid year. They were they were cruelled by all the cards and and poor decisions against New Zealand. But they were there challenging at the All Blacks at times. And and we shouldn't forget that. Plus at home, and the the Argentinians while they've been good, I just think the French at home will be a bit too strong. Probably the French within within eight.
0: Yeah, this is this is an interesting one. I think there's two teams that unpredictable in nature. On their day, they can beat most teams, particularly with France. Um I just have a feeling that France played one of their better games against the box. Um and although that's probably good for momentum leading into this one, I think equally Argentina have been impressive of late. And I'm going to tip Argentina by about 7 to 10 points. I think you know despite the fact France are at home i think argentina might come in there and and shake things up and the french might take the argentinians a little bit lightly i think so i think that's a a pretty if you if you're a betting man argentina at 3 or here 3 pounds 20 probably similar odds in australia is is a pretty good bet i think for this one mm.
2: and continuing a bit of a Two teams in a random neutral location. We have Uruguay versus Fiji in Gloucester. <laughs>
1: Fiji, yeah. Fiji, in
2: Gloucester. Yep.
1: I don't know where the hell they are, but they'll still recognise a rugby field when they in see the it UK. and They will be. Yep. Yes. It's
0: not It's just near Wales. Okay. Well, semi Raja.
2: I, I want to see. Vecchi Carney get the start at 10 for Fiji because we saw Ben Volavola versus Scotland and he didn't play badly, but um, oh I, think, my God. I don't know how he's still Spirit. continuing to be there, uh-huh. really. Um, but yeah, I think Fiji. Other other yeah, updates just... we can probably put up for next year's World Cup. The repishage is going on at the moment. Uh, there's three teams fighting it out for one of the last places Germany, Hong Kong and Canada. And the... Favorites were Hong Kong, but Germany upset them 26-9 on the weekend, which was uh, an impressive showing from Germany that are improving this year. Um, And Canada versus Kenya, who are likely to be the last African participant in for the World Cup, Uh, they smashed them 65-19. So this weekend, have a game, Kenya versus Hong Kong, but Germany versus Canada, which should be uh, an uh, impressive-looking thing. Germany hoping to make their first World Cup, Canada um, hoping not to miss their first one. Yeah,
0: interesting and it's good to keep abreast of these things in World Rugby with the World Cup next year. It's going to be a great one in Japan and hopefully, I mean, even if we do see some of these newer nations coming in, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they perform.
2: Yeah, always just nice to see some of these different nations getting involved in that and really making rugby into more of a global game and you you like to see that, definitely. That's pretty much all from us again. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Maybe a bit of a longer one, but we had lots, lots to say, especially about the Wallabies. Uh, those games on this weekend—if you're in Australia—they'll be starting from about midnight on Saturday, all the way through to Sunday morning. So if you're a night out, get out there and catch a few of these games. There's, there's a couple of really good ones to watch. Again, we'd like to thank you guys for tuning in. Thank Fit the Feed Spot, for giving us that podcast award. We really appreciate it. Remember to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, guys. We love uh, hearing from you. Interactive with us on social media. Instagram is probably the best place. Running Rugby podcasts is where we are at. Also on Facebook and Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. But that's all from us this week. Toby, enjoy your weekend, mate.
0: Mate, I'm going to love it. I'm, I'm going to the England Wallabies game in a week and a half. I'm pumped. I hope we can get a big win against Italy and then, you know, who knows, after uh, a couple of years of torment against England, maybe we can get it done. Go the Wallabies.
2: Let's go the Wallabies. All right, guys, keep on running. Run.
0: Oh, yeah, we played shit versus uh, England. But uh, it didn't matter, right? Because we, we, we got the win by yeah. one point. So, I mean, to be honest, um, I'm pretty happy with the performance, eh? Uh, but apart from that, uh, what we have to say, uh, Courtney Laws is always offside. <laughs> so uh, justice was done in that respect.
2: Suddenly Bill Williams is injured again. But it's okay because we have Crotty still.
0: It's okay because we have uh, Nani La Mape, Uh We have five centers that would be chosen in every international team around the world (laughs) so it does not matter